Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Father, as we open your word this morning, we do trust that our hearts have come prepared to listen to your word. We thank you for the freedom we have to come and open it without fear and to consider it this day. And might we not only consider it, might we live by it, and may it draw us closer to you. In Christ our Savior's name we pray. Amen. Last night as we were watching the news, um, there was a certain point at which the uh, anchor woman said, uh, this is the exact moment that the Titanic uh, descended to uh, its grave below uh, the waves. I'm sure all of you have heard this last uh, week, right? 100th anniversary of the Titanic. It's some of, sort of a historical icon that um, we think about in the movies and songs. In fact, uh, John Ockwell was... Uh, last week was another choir practice because he was going down with the Titanic. They're going down again this afternoon. Okay, all right. <laughs> They're singing this afternoon uh, in Faith too. They're both going down. Well, uh, I don't know how many times they get to go down before we don't see them again, but I hope they come back. We kind of have a... One of the, every family has their... Uh, oral traditions and uh, stories, and on my wife's side of the family, her ostrich mother, her mother's mother, who came from Sweden, uh, was supposed to come on the Titanic via, you know, through England to come on the Titanic, and had a ticket evidently, and something happened, uh, she wasn't able to make that trip. And, uh, you know, we think about those things, we think about our heritage, think about your family and your uh, forefathers and foremothers, many of us here or maybe one or two generations removed from people who immigrated to America from another place. Maybe some of you have come and immigrated from another country and made that long journey uh, to the United States, to America. I don't know how many of you have done family research or genealogy. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? Uh, we're all somewhat interested in that, to think about um, our, 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 our predecessors and what they were like and, and how we may be like them and, and so forth. Uh, the whole DNA, I mean, I, if, if Teresa's grandmother had, not, had come on the Titanic and had gone down with the Titanic, literally, uh, you would have a different pastor's wife, right? Uh, my kids would be different. My grandkids would be different. Uh, Gary would be different. Trainer would be different. Rachel, your baby wouldn't have any Swedish blood. It would be probably all Norwegian. You know, that would be, boy, would that be something, you know. Amen, amen. yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah, amen, yeah. <laughs> Who are your predecessors? If you are here today and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and you are part of the body of Christ, uh, the Lord is your Savior and you have received salvation and forgiveness for sins, I will tell you who your great, 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 generations back, grandfather is. If you open your Bibles briefly, before we go to Romans, to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians, Galatians, just before Ephesians, just after 2 Corinthians. Galatians chapter 3. Paul is uh, giving an argument here to 
uh, those who, had, who were being enticed to go back under the Mosaic law to, become, to, to complete their salvation by practicing legalism along with faith. And Paul says this in verse 6, Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. There you have it. Your great-grandfather, multiple generations back in the faith, is Abraham. We are all children of Abraham. Now, as dispensational in our understanding of scripture, uh, we, we make the distinction that uh, God's people, Israel, who also descended from Abraham, but their particular father was uh, Jacob, who was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, that uh, they were God's chosen people, and that God stole a plan for ethnic Israel during the millennial kingdom. But that does not take away from the fact, Paul clearly says here, that I am a son of Abraham. You are a son or daughter of Abraham if you know Christ as your Savior, because he is the father of of all, he becomes the one in Scripture that is held up as the one who is the father of all who come by faith. And in fact, he says the gospel was preached ahead of time to him was as it unfolded, of course, later on in Scripture, the story of Jesus Christ that we celebrated the death, burial, and resurrection last week that opened the door for salvation and forgiveness for sins. So that is your ancestry. That is your heritage. Steve read to us the story of Abraham. Let's go back there for just a moment, back to Genesis chapter 15 in your Bibles. Genesis chapter 15. In this account of Abraham, earlier, Abram, his name was Abram, uh, just ending with the M, Abram, Avram, and he came from the Ur of the Chaldees, probably in uh, modern day Babylon area. He was called to go, and God said, Abraham, uh, get you to a new land, and basically I will show you when you get there. He talked about immigrating to a new land. It's one thing to buy a ticket on a boat to travel to a new land or to get on an airplane, but to just start traveling, and God said, I'll tell you when you get there. And uh, he traveled the Fertile Crescent up above uh, Syria, came down into Canaan, to Palestine, and when he got there, God says, you're here. And he promised him a land. He promised him a people. He promised him worldwide blessing. And so Abram has, has, has had this relationship with God. And he gets to this land. And, of course, the key part of this, as we read this morning, was this promise of multiple generations, peoples, that would come from him. He would be the father of many generations. And let's look at this once again. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield and your great reward. And Abraham says, you know, we have this in the Old Testament. You will notice this um, honest dialogue that, that Old Testament characters have with God. You notice that? We really get a, a, a picture into that uh, that window. Uh, we get a picture of them through that window. And, and you know, this is this is good. And I think... Uh, you know, Jews have this tradition that they talk about this honest dialogue with God, sometimes arguing with God, sometimes uh, like Job even challenged God and yet was brought to his, his knees in worship of God. And as believers, you know, sometimes we, 
um, you know, it's good for us to, to open our heart and to, and, to, and, and, and to speak with God in prayer. And not that our, our prayers are just formalities and, and traditions, but that sometimes you get to a place where, you know, you pour your heart out to God, don't you? Usually those events in life that, that bring you to a place where we have no other options and we pour our heart out to God. And, and, and Abraham dares to say to God, who, who just said, I'm your great reward. God says, I'm your reward, Abram. I'm your reward. What else could you want? And Abram, Abram says, O sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? You have given me no children. You've promised me multiple nations. I mean, think about it. Nations from me will come. I mean, sometimes when I get my whole family together for, uh, when they're all here, like this summer when I'll be here, I feel like the father of a tribe, you know, with 11 grandchildren. I remember being at the Hanson's house with the grandchildren and, and, and so on, and, the, and the, you know, with seven kids and the next generation. But Abram says, you, you know, God, you've promised me this multiplicity of generations. There's only one problem. You've got to start with one. <laughs> you know, there's got to be one. And, you know, I'm in my upper 90s, and so is my wife. And this is not looking too promising. For just one's all we need, and then this can be fulfilled. And this is what he's asking God. What, what's going on, Lord? You, you know, my servant, is, is he the one? Shall we pass it on to him? And God gives him this promise that, that Steve read to us and took him outside and said, Abraham, Look at the stars of the skies. Good to have uh, Dud and Rosemary back from California. They were in Palm Springs area, Palm, uh, Palm Desert. And uh, some other people, my daughter was down to her family, and Dan and Don were down there a couple weeks ago, and the weather was beautiful. And you go out there, and I've been down there and enjoyed that. And you go out at night, especially down there in California, and you look up at the stars. If, if, you, could, if you think of that, think of those mountains surrounding that area. If you've ever been down that area of California, and it's very, it's very much like the Judean hills, very much like that. And you look up at night in that sort of desert-type um, Judean hill atmosphere, that's all I can say, and you look at the stars. Have you done that? And you see, you can see uh, in the Middle East, you know, the, the naked eye, you can see about 8,000 of them, they, they figure. And he says, he says, Abram, look at that. Look at what you see up there. That is your descendants. And you know, you know how it is when you look at stars? Even with just our eyes, without microscope, without telescopes or magnifying instruments, it just seems like the more you look, what? Good. The more you see, and they just you just get used to it, and you keep seeing more and more and more, and and, and it's astounding. And then we see those pictures of from Hubble and so on, and it's just incredible. And and God says, Abram, I told you, look up there. That's what it's going to be like. You're in your upper 90s. You're, you're, well, you're, you're, you're well past being dead in terms of having children and your wife. But I want you to look at that. That's what I am going to give you. And Abram had a choice to make. Abram could have pressed the issue. And Abram could have said, yes, yes, God, but. <laughs> you know, yes, but. You know, how, what, how about something tangible right now? Why, why not Eliezer? What's wrong with that? He had a choice to make. He looked up at those stars, and Abram said, okay. 
This is the first time in the, in the Old Testament, Genesis, that this, this word believe is used. Abraham believed God. He believed God. And it's interesting that the Hebrew word for this word believe is the word simply amen. That's what it is. In the Hebrew, it's amen. When you close your prayers, when we close our prayers today, when John closed his prayer, when I close the prayer, when we close the service, when we pray this morning at breakfast at our house, when you prayed this last week, why do you always end your prayer with amen? Why do you do that? Why do we say that? Why do we say amen? It's a, it's an, what we're really saying is an affirmation of, I've prayed to you, God, whether it's for thanks, acknowledgement, request, not knowing what the answer is going to be, whether it's out of deep despair, whatever it is, of great joy. You, 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 we close our prayers with this tradition of saying, I believe, God. I believe you. So be it. And that's all he said. Abraham didn't dialogue anymore. He didn't have anything else to say. He just said, amen, God. I believe it. And when he said that, the Bible says, God counted it to him as righteousness. Um, John earlier gave us an announcement about we, we paid off the mortgages on uh, earlier on that property and now on this property back here. And, we, and you know, this is not just a, a physical. and a, You know, these are for ministries. We, these are homes our, our pastors live in and we use for ministry. It enables us. We have, you know, we have four staff in our church, and this is one of the reasons we're able to do this. We have these properties. This property back here that we, do, we currently rent out the house, but we were able to break off that back portion and develop it for future use. We've never had a, an area like a play area, a nice outdoor area for our young people, our children. And so we, we paid it off. And it's this, it's this, it's this um, financial, economic terms that we're familiar with. Some of you recently have bought property or bought a car or paid off a mortgage or paid off a note or paid off a bill or someone maybe paid it off for you. It's this idea of this transaction. And that's, it's an it's a economic word that's used here, that Abraham believed God. And in this transaction, what he gave was, he didn't, what did he give? He didn't give anything. He just acknowledged by faith, that God was going to do this impossible thing and give him one child. It was impossible, but he was going to do it. And he, he didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know when it was going to be another 50 years. You know, what was it going to be? God didn't give him any timetable, any details. He just said, look at the stars, Abram, that's it. And all Abraham did was believe, and he received in this transaction righteousness. A sinner. Abram was a sinner. He was not perfect. He was a good man. He was called the friend of God. But he, he, did some, he, did, he made some mistakes. We see in the, in the story of Genesis, he goes down to, he goes twice he, he does this. Once in Egypt and once with the eastern people as well. And he says, he says to his wife, Sarah, he says, when we get there, tell them you're my sister. Because I know they're going to look at you and this is pretty astounding to think, you know, she's well up in years. And she was so beautiful that he knew the Pharaoh of Egypt, the most powerful man on earth who could have any woman he wanted, would want his wife. And he says, basically, tell, you know, let's, 
for my protection, because I know he'll kill me to take you, tell him you're my sister. And he passes off his wife not only twice as his sister, but of course it was a half-truth, right? Because it was his half-sister, <laughs> see? But what he didn't say is I happened to be married to her. And he did it not only twice, but we find out the second time this was his habit. So it happened more than this. He was not a perfect man. He had some issues. He, he had some mistakes he made. He had doubts. He had fears. He did some, some wrong things. But God said, Abram, you are righteous. Do you know what that means? That you are righteous? Do you feel righteous? If, if I felt and acted righteous, you might even say, I'm acting holier than thou, we would say. It's sort of this phrase we've coined. That, that, you know, I don't feel righteous. I know myself well enough. And I know my human condition and my human nature. But I don't always feel righteous. And this morning, you probably don't feel always righteous. And Abraham didn't necessarily feel anything different. But God said, and if God says it, he's God. It's true. Abram, you are now, you are righteous in my sight. You are righteous. There's no way Abram could have achieved that righteousness. There's nothing he could do. God has to give that. Because God is holy and God is just and we are sinful. We are in our human condition. And we, I don't need to tell you that. We all know that. We all know that. And it's because of this that the Apostle Paul in Galatians says, Abraham became the father of all who believe. Why? Because when I became a Christian, when I was a young child at camp, when I became a Christian, there came a point in my life where the gospel was presented to me. And I had a choice to make. Either going to accept it and say, yes, God, I don't understand it all, but that's what you said. That's what your Bible says. The pastor just told me this was a flannel graph story. And it was about the cross and the empty tomb. And I sat there and I looked at that. And, I, and all of a sudden I realized Christ died for me and he's offered me salvation. I didn't understand all sorts of things. I understood very little, actually, at my age at that time. But I had a choice to make. And I just said, yes. I said, I, I believe it, God. I believe I'm a sinner. I believe Christ died for me. He rose from the dead. He paid for my sins. And he's willing to offer me forgiveness for sins and new life in Christ. Amen? Amen? And I, just, and, I, and I was able to say as a child, yes, God, amen, I believe it. I believe it. And I passed from death unto life at Camp Gilead right over here in Carnation when I was in third grade. And I received Christ as my Savior. I became a child of Abraham. And my father was Jewish. So my father, by lineage and physical, is a, is a, is a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But I became a child of Abraham when I believed. Because the father of all who come by faith. And our last scripture this morning I want you to look at is Romans chapter 15. I'm sorry, Romans chapter 4. I'm thinking Genesis 15 and saying Romans 15. But I mean Romans chapter 4. And in Romans chapter 4, Paul is dealing with this exact same issue of believers in Jesus Christ 
who are being influenced and being challenged that, yes, faith is good, but we all know it's not enough. The same challenge is going on today. Faith is good, but we know it's not enough. We know you, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to join this. You have to get baptized. You have to be confirmed. You have to go to our church. You have to, you have to, you have to. And Paul says to his, to his fellow Jews in this particular case, along with the Gentile, this is the church in Rome. He's never been there, but he writes to them and says, What then shall we say, verse 1, that Abraham our forefather discovered in this matter? If in fact Abraham was justified by his works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. See, the, to the, the Jewish understanding was that Abraham, and this is actually taught in some, of the, in some of the rabbinic teachings from this time, that Abraham actually practiced the law before it was given. He was so righteous. He was so obedient to God, he actually practiced the law before it was given. And the understanding in the first century, and this has been sort of contested and back and forth in more recent scholarship than the commentaries I read, some of the men from Trinity Seminary, for example, written some great, uh, Douglas Moo, for example, some great commentaries, and reaffirm what it seems so obvious in this passage, that in the first century Judaism, it was understood that works of righteousness achieved your standing before God. And the Pharisees and scribes and the Sadducees clearly taught that. And Paul, who was raised in that as a Pharisee, taught that, understood that, that he was saved by what he did. And listen, if you were to stop the average person today, and maybe this is you even here today, Maybe this is new to you. I'm glad you're here. We're just, I'm so glad you've come today. I'm glad all of you are here uh, to just be here. You know, your presence here is an encouragement to others. If you were to stop the average person today and ask them, if you died tonight, if you died today and you stood before God, on what basis would you expect to be allowed into heaven? The average person is not going to say, I don't believe in God. You don't know that many atheists. You might know a few. The average person is not going to say, I don't believe in heaven. The average person, and statistically this is, this is borne out all the time, the average person is going to say, I hope I'll be in heaven. And if you say, why? You know what they're going to say? Yeah, you're all mumbling. <laughs> because I hope I've done more good than bad. I've never killed anybody. I've never done this. I've never done that. And, I, and I, I'm trusting. It's the same story. It's the same story that Paul faced. It's our works. It's our good things that we do. And Paul says, listen, if that's what Abraham was counting on, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Because with God, that's not good enough. And that's hard for people to understand and, and, to, and to accept and, and, to re, and to receive that our good deeds are not good enough because God is pure and holy. It would be like if I put a glass of, of pure, clear water here in front of you today and I put just a little bit of impurity into it, it's not good enough. I can't tell you it's pure anymore because it's impure. No, even if it's just a drop of impurities, especially if it's a colored impurity, that, like a red or a dye, it's not enough. It's either, it's either all or nothing when it comes to holiness and becomes, when it comes to righteousness. And Paul says, he has nothing to boast about. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. It's not that he worked. 
It's not that he kept the law. It's not that he offered sacrifices. It's not that he left the Ur and went to Canaan. It's because he believed God. And God said, you are righteous. Why? Because he had faith in God's word. And he was looking forward, Galatians tells us. He was preaching the gospel in advance to the cross of Calvary where sin was paid for. And the message we preached on Good Friday and, and Easter morning this last week, and we preach every Sunday, that Christ died for my sin. He was placed in the grave. He rose from the dead, victorious over death, so that I and that you could receive eternal life and forgiveness for sins. Abraham believed God. You notice, and this is so important, that you'll notice that, that this is said in this passage again. We see in, in verse 9, is this blessedness only for the circumcised, only for the Jews, or also for the uncircumcised, the Gentiles? We have been saying Abraham's faith was credited. It's the same financial term. It was credited to him as righteousness. And then we see later on in this same chapter, in verse 22, this is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words that was credited to him were written not for him alone, but also for us who God will credit righteousness. This is a very important thought in this passage of Scripture that God is willing to give people a righteous standing before him, not on what they can accomplish or do, but through faith in Jesus Christ and his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary. This message today really is born out of our Bible readings. If you're reading the New Testament with us or the Bible, and I want to encourage you, on the back table back there are some little yellow folders, and uh, we are encouraging you to read through the Bible this year. Many of you do this anyway, but and if, you haven't, if you're not doing it, you can start right now. You've got plenty of time to catch up. Um, this, this summer, I'll be having a national conference at our church, the Grace Gospel Fellowship, and our theme this year is to, is to read and to know God's Word and to live by it. And so actually, for the next several Sundays, when I'm preaching or Pastor Gary, the different things are going on for the next several Sundays until the conference, our messages will be based on themes from the Bible reading for the week. So if, you, if you're reading, it's just one chapter a day, five days a week. One chapter a day, five days a week. You get the weekend to catch up. This week, as we read through the Gospels, the theme of faith, if you were reading through the Gospel of Luke this week, the centurion who told the Lord Jesus when he asked for his help and said, don't even bother coming to my house. He says, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a man who has people under me, and I know what it means to say, they, if I tell them, they do it. And I know if you say it, it'll happen. And what did Jesus say? He says, I have not even seen faith like this, what? In my own people, Israel. This is amazing. Faith that this man had. What did he know? All he knew is there was something about Jesus and what he was teaching and what he was doing that he, he said, I believe. The woman who came and anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and the oil and, and poured, that, poured that oil on, on Jesus to the point that she was criticized and said, well, this could have been sold and given to the poor and so on. What was she doing? She was showing her faith. And Jesus said, this story will be told wherever the gospel is told. And we tell that story today. The sower and the seeds, and the seeds that fall on ground where it's picked up by the birds or choked by weeds, but there are some that falls on fertile ground. 
and faith. His own family, his own family we saw in this week's reading, who looked at him and said, he's, 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 something's wrong, he's, he's, this isn't right, there's something wrong with this, our brother. And their lack of faith. The demonic man, the demonic man who had these cast of demons thrown out of him and begs Jesus to go with him and, and shows this simple faith in this man, this Messiah who could do this for him. And the confession of Peter, the sick woman who comes up to him and says, if I could just what? If I can just touch his coat, I know I'll be. How did she know that? Jesus is surrounded by people. They're pressing on every side. And he stops and says, somebody touch me. You ever been in a situation like that? You ever been in a crowd where people are just, I remember one time at Christmas time, down by the Christmas lighting and when Sarah, when Natalie was little and we were pushing a stroller and we got separated and Sarah and the stroller are there and Teresa and I are here and we couldn't even get to each other. There's so many people. And Jesus, in this crowd, and Jesus, who touched me? And his disciples say, what, what do you mean who touched you? I mean, look at And they said, no, power's gone out for me. Somebody's touched me. Turn around, there's this lady like, oh, I got caught. You know, I touched him. You know, I was hoping that no one would see this, you know. And she, and, and, and he said, and it was her faith. Her faith in simply wanting to touch him. Listen, this has been the story in our readings this week. Faith. Faith. Belief. Amen. What was our story? What is it that we have? Why am I preaching on this this morning? This is not a surprise. In fact, 400 years after the and, and growing after the Protestant Reformation, this is sort of old news to us. Salvation by faith through grace alone. It's kind of old news, maybe. But when Martin Luther posted those theses on the door at the Catholic, Roman Catholic Church and wanted to challenge salvation by works, by paying money, by indulgences, by praying to the saints, by having to go to a priest to be forgiven, when he posted that in the door and wanted to debate that, it wasn't old news. It was radical news. It was radical. It was a revolution. We call it the Reformation. And I just I wanted to remind you this morning, friends, of this radical message that we preach and that you believe and that God has put in your care and that God has given you the privilege to share, to share your lives. Yesterday, Rich Gill shared at Men's Breakfast about going into prisons when he was at Prison Mission Association of Riverside, California. And, 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 and he learned the right... The, the, you, to earn the right to share the gospel by sharing your life with these men. And there's people God has put in your paths today that you are earning the right, if you will, to share the gospel. You don't have to have a right, but, but God is opening doors. God's allowing you to share your life, to show Christian love and kindness, to reach out to people, to be a friend, but at some point to be able to share that message. We saw it in the book of Acts. We studied the whole book together of the message going from Judea throughout Palestine and into the Gentile world, and Paul sharing his story, his own personal story, sharing the gospel, sharing his life, working side by side, making tents, helping pay for things, and so on. But he opened his mouth and he shared the gospel. There comes a point, friends, where God has called us to share the good news. It's good news that God loves you. He loves you so much. That Jesus Christ, Son of God, fully God and fully man, died on the cross of Calvary 
rose from the dead. He loves you so much that He's offered you. Think of it. He has offered you. Think of it. Righteousness. God looks at you today and says you are righteous, whether you feel like it or not. Whether you've made some mistakes this week or not. If you know Christ as your Savior, if you've received what, if you did what Abraham did and said, yes, I believe, and you receive Christ's forgiveness for sins, God sees you in Jesus Christ because He took your price on the cross of Calvary. He paid for me. And when God sees Jim Shamaria, when He looks at James Evan Shamaria, He sees Jesus Christ and He says, I'm righteous. And I have received the righteousness of God. This is our story. This is why at this church we are committed to teaching God's Word, to teaching it to our young people, to sharing the Gospel. This is why we are involved in missions. Teresa and I will be leaving, uh, not this week, but a week from Wednesday, to go to the Philippines and work with the ministry in the Philippines. And then to Indonesia, to Jakarta, uh, to Malaysia, uh, speaking at a conference and being involved with them. We, we have this tremendous work, our Grace Fellowship, and our church has been involved in this work since the beginning. The first missionaries our church sent out were to Asia. When we started our church, when Marlon and Gunny Olson went to Taiwan. And back when our church first started, the, the Bigelows going to the Philippines. We've been involved in this ministry in, in Asia and Southeast Asia since day one from our church. So sacrificially, people here, who's, some of you here who were charter members, gave that work. This will be the first opportunity for one of our pastors to go visit that field. We're excited about it. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a good trip. I won't take any wooden nickels. <laughs> I promise you. We're having a good trip. Why do we go? To be a part of that work. To encourage them. Because God has called us to share the gospel and to be a part of building up leaders who can build the church and to reach their people. This is a reminder for you today. Faith. God's called you to faith. If you know Christ as Savior today, you said amen to God at some point in your life, and your life radically changed from death to life. And you received the hope of eternal life and forgiveness for sins and a righteous standing before God. Hope of the resurrection. What a joy. And you have that message. And maybe God has put somebody in your life who the Holy Spirit is working and opening their heart to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Friends, don't be afraid when God opens that door to tell your story and to share that good news. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about what it means to live by faith. We've talked about being saved by faith today. And I'll close with this. Chapter 5 of Romans. Paul says this, verse 1, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. How can you live each day? How can you live each day with that peace of God radiant in your life and the hope of the glory of God is by living by faith each day. 
And we're going to consider that from our next week. And if you continue your New Testament readings this week, you will see that theme of living by faith. But friends, I have good news for you today. I got great news. You have, or you can have, shalom with God. Peace with God. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. Because we have peace with God through faith. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we love you. Lord, it's, sometimes it doesn't, it's hard for us to say. We don't really understand your love. It's hard, it's hard, Father, but we love you. You've done so much for us. You've been so good to us. You've provided us everything that we need. You've given us life, given us our family and our friends, this beautiful earth to enjoy and to care for, jobs and school, relationships and a church family. Lord, you've been so good to us. But most of all, we thank you for the hope of the resurrection. We thank you that we are forgiven. And we thank you that in all of our weaknesses and failings, we are righteous in your sights, even though we don't deserve it, because we are children of faith. We walk by faith as well. And Lord, we pray if there be a person here today who still, they've heard this message and, they, and they've been told today how much you love them and what Jesus did, that they have not received Christ as their Savior, that Lord, you would open their heart, that they would say amen to you, they would say yes to you. In this quiet moment, receive forgiveness for sins, and receive Christ as Savior. We leave this place rejoicing in the hope of our salvation. In Christ's name we pray.